it's only a kick, a jump, a block, it's only a serve, it's only a tackle, a run, it's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. All right, welcome into Dog Walk Talk. My name is Wes Blankenship, Jake Roos, Palmer Tom is joining me, and guys, we got a lot to get through. Crazy start to the week. Thought it was a little sleepy. We knew that Georgia's O-line coaching hire could be happening at any moment, uh, but it's never the moment you expect, is it, Palmer? No, not at all, not at all. Um, yeah, Georgia breaks the news, of, announces it officially as we're coming on here right now. Um, but Stacy Searles headed back to Athens, uh, previously was with the Bulldogs under Mark Richt uh, and, and has most recently been at North Carolina. Um, it's a hire that, that I think is um, probably not a fan favorite, to say the least, um, but I think it's, it's an interesting one to dive into, uh, as I'm sure we'll do today. So, yeah, Stacy Searles coming on. Jake, what do you remember or know about Searles? as a recruiter i mean it doesn't seem like when he was there it's hard to really get a a grip from my perspective on what he did because georgia didn't really seem to emphasize or prioritize the offensive line the way that kirby smart does now and that's not a knock on mark richt richt really just built his teams around skill guys uh quarterback guys the speedy guys Georgia now is much more based on the line of scrimmage. So what what do you remember about him originally at Georgia, and what do you expect him to bring now? You know, I think that's a pretty fair way to say it, Wes. I mean, you know, Georgia was not um, – there weren't a lot of five-star linemen during that time, right? I mean, there weren't a lot of these number one tackles in the nation. You didn't have guys like Broderick Jones. I mean, you know, Colton Houston, when he got on the field finally, was a good player. Ben Jones obviously ended up being a great player for Georgia. I mean, you know, those are some of the guys that come to mind. But, you know, I think that when you look at guys like that, what are the hallmarks? Uh, Big, tough, strong, you know, maybe those, uh, you know, just kind of I don't know, guys who get out there and grind it. I mean, not necessarily your top-ranked guys. They seem content to go out and find guys that fit their system. And so, you know, looking back over Stacey Searles' history as a recruiter, I do think there's something to be desired there for sure. Now, I will say he's never worked with a staff quite like this when it comes to recruiting, and I think that that will elevate his game and that should elevate his game quite a bit. And I said this over on the board at, dog, uh, at the dog walk at, at uh, Dogs HQ. You know, this was going to be a tough act for anybody to follow because you're coming off of Sam Pittman and then you go straight into a guy with an SEC head coaching uh, experience. So, you know, were there sexier options out there? Could they have made a better hire? In my opinion, yes. I, I think that they could have done a little bit better than this. Um, but, you know, Thurls is a very familiar name, and there's something to be said for that. It's clear that these guys really value that familiarity. And, um, you know, we'll see how it goes. I mean, listen, I, I know that these guys are all friends, but Kirby's not going to keep around somebody who's not effective. So I, I think that uh, it'll be a trial period for sure. Yeah, speaking of friends, he has a great relationship with Mike Bobo, and there's no doubt that that went a long way in this hire. 
another thing that I'll add in here, um, you know, when you bring up um, the fact that this probably isn't the most sexy hire. Um, it's a tough time to hire somebody because a lot of these coaches have already been through the hiring cycle this offseason. Uh, you know, the spring practice is getting started places around the country tomorrow. Searles was supposed to get started at North Carolina tomorrow uh, and, and leaves camp there. Um, so I think that makes it tough, too, where a lot of guys are already settled in. They've recruited uh, this this 2022 class already. Uh, you know, they, they've signed those guys. They want to see those guys take the field this fall, uh, you know, want to work with them this spring, want to continue to work with them uh, as they enter into 2022. So I think that's another thing that makes this a tough hire. Uh, a lot of those t- top-end guys uh, that, that Georgia might have gone after, um, name that comes to mind is, is Wolford at, at Alabama, previously at Kentucky, uh, made a move already. So I, I think that that um, it doesn't eliminate them, but it certainly makes it tougher when you're trying to hire somebody that has already maybe moved once in an offseason and doesn't want to do so twice. Yeah, I'm, I'm not going to go that far, though, just yet. I, I'm going to have to disagree a little bit because I think that there's a lot of money that was behind Matt Luke's name. I mean, they've got cash to spend if that's what somebody's after, as well as, listen, Georgia, not quite like Florida, but they've invented some creative titles for some of these guys. <laughs> I mean, Matt Luke was associate head coach. So, I mean, you know, there are titles there. There are ways to bolster your resume. And so I think that they could have probably swung a little bit higher to me. This feels like familiarity playing in a little bit more than maybe it it could have um, and maybe should have. But, you know, listen, it's hard to knock what George has done in terms of hiring. Kirby has done pretty well in that regard. Um, So let's see. I mean, I'm willing to give him the benefit of the doubt. But from my perspective, like I said, as recruiting, um, it's not one that just blows me off the map. It doesn't uh, blow me away either. And I understand people that are frustrated a little bit or scratching their heads about, you know, why couldn't Kirby get a bigger name? Why couldn't he get some of the names that seem to be first or second options here? One thing that I'm interested to see play out is the familiarity that you mentioned, Jake, of guys like Bobo, McClendon, Searles. They've already been through the previous era of Georgia football. Kirby Smart's now brought in a brand new era of Georgia football. This is totally his roster now. This is totally his coaching staff. I wonder how much those guys knowing, you know, in some regards, what didn't work at Georgia, what separated the Bulldogs from the rest of the SEC pack that maybe they had ideas on that could have helped. Uh, I wonder what they can bring to the table now, knowing what they knew then and knowing now the standard that Kirby has set, as he said, burning the boats. So uh, I'm, I'm, that's just my two cents on it. I'm going to wait and see, see what recruits say about the hire, see how spring practice goes before I totally say that this is a miss. Uh, two other names that we haven't spoken about on Dog Walk Talk just yet in the assistant coaching realm, uh, Shidera Uzo-Daribe, I uh, hope I'm saying that correctly, and also Fran Brown. Uh, we've written a lot more about Fran Brown, it seems like, just because of the nature of that position group, uh, some of the big-name recruiting targets that I think are involved in the secondary, and because Kirby Smart has his thumbprints, fingerprints all over the secondary position. But what are y'all's thoughts on those two hires specifically? 
you know, I guess I'll, I'll lead off here. I mean, in, in talking to kids about it from the recruiting perspective, I mean, it's been really interesting to hear the reactions to Fran Brown because you think Rutgers and you don't necessarily make that SEC connection or say, you know, this guy seems like a normal fit into a program like Georgia. But in talking to kids, you don't get that sense. I mean, this is a guy who had a pretty wide-reaching impact even being at a school like Rutgers, and that's kind of surprising. I mean, you don't hear that a lot. Um, you know, simultaneously, we had a chance to talk to B.J. Hansford, a uh, defensive back from Baylor, who kind of gave his take on what Fran was like when he was recruiting him and when he was coaching him. And, you know, basically some of the words were authentic. You know, a guy who is going to push you to be your best. He's going to be, uh, you know, straight up in the recruiting game. And what's interesting is even a week into his tenure at Georgia, those are the echoes that we've heard from the guys who have talked to him. You know, it's he's talking about family. He's talking about why he grinds so hard, what he's looking for from his players. You know, uh, I, one of the guys I spoke to said, look, he's going to recruit you till he gets you. And I think that all of that speaks to what Hansford told us. And that was, you know, eight, like almost eight years ago. So I think that there's a pretty clear indication with Fran Brown that he – is who he says he is. I did an article on that over at Dogs HQ and basically said, you know, the authenticity showing through in just a week because it's hard to knock, you know, when people say that over the course of that long time. Um, I, I, I'm impressed with that one. I think that Fran is a uh, young up and comer, um, a guy that kids are familiar with that maybe we weren't as much. And um, that should be beneficial to him. And, you know, the reality is he's going to be able to tag team that secondary with Will Muschamp, who is one of the best recruiters on the staff or in any staff in the nation. So, um, you know, I think that uh, the two of those guys working together going to be a pretty effective tandem in that secondary. Yeah, I mean, you, you mentioned young up-and-comer, and I think that really applies to both of these uh, two hires that we're talking about here. Um, you know, when, as far as Brown goes, I think that, um, you know, he's really built himself a reputation as a recruiter, uh, like you were mentioning. Had a, you know, made, played a major factor in, in uh, Rutgers' most recent signing class. Um, helped them sign, I believe it was like three of their top four players or, or you know, uh, it says listed as the primary recruiter for four of the top six signees, um, so including a four-star linebacker. And two of those guys um, are offensive linemen, who you wouldn't expect him to really be involved with anyway, right? Exactly. So, so you know, the four guys that you would expect a defensive coach to be involved with, maybe not even expect a def defensive coach to be involved with, uh, but the uh, four guys that he that he had a chance to be involved with, he was uh, three of those being five or four-star signees. Um, and, and so I think that that says a lot about where he's coming from. I think that defensive back is, is a coaching position that you want to get somebody who's younger, uh, and, and energetic. Um, I feel like based off everything that we've heard so far, that's exactly who Fran Brown is. Uh, and yeah, I, I mean, I agree with you, Jake there, that it's probably not a name that we knew as much about, but I think it's a name that kids knew a lot more about. Uh, because he has been active on this recruiting trail. Maybe not pulling in guys to Rutgers, but at least recruiting them as hard as he can to Rutgers. Well, and it opens up more territory, too, for you. I mean, percent with deep ties in that New Jersey area. And Georgia's struck out there a lot. Now, that's not because they haven't wanted players from out of there. Rashawn Gary is a guy that uh, comes to mind from that area. Um, you know, there's the Northeast. We can call it what it is. I mean, it's not 
it's not Miami, Florida, but at the same time, there are good players up there. And there are guys that, you know, that's typically areas where Ohio State, Penn State, Michigan, uh, you know, Rutgers in some cases are able to pull from and, you know, put together pretty nice classes with some of those guys. There's a lot of really talented defensive and offensive linemen, especially up in that area. So I think that, you know, this opens up another key area for you in the nation that frankly, you just weren't able to do before. And I, I think that, uh, you know, he's going to be able to walk into those schools, have familiarity with coaches and kids. When I look at uh, Coach Yu's Twitter account, and that's the outside linebackers coach, Shidera Uzo Duribe. Palmer, did you say it was Uzo Dariba? Is that what you said? I believe I saw that it was Uzo Dariba, but like right. like I said before we came on, easy easily could be butchering that name. All right, well, I'm going to learn it and make sure it's the right the right way the next time I say it. But I look at his Twitter we'll go, account. We'll go with Coach U for now. <laughs> I look at Coach U's Twitter account, and this looks like a guy that is just fired up to be at Georgia. He's you know sharing photos from the workout room, from the indoor practice facility. Uh, he learns the tradition of Georgia outside linebackers. One of his tweets says, you know, we're looking for the next great one. Georgia's standard of outside linebacker play is second to none. Come hunt with us. And it's like a, like a wolf. So he's embracing this very uh, savage kind of mindset. And it's a picture of Justin Houston, Jarvis Jones, Leonard Floyd, and Aziz Ojolari. I mean, he just seems to have an energy even just, you know, kind of leaking through my computer screen here of a guy that is fired up to continue that momentum, continue that energy at Georgia. And one of his tweets also says 2023s and 2024s tap in. So he's like fully embracing this digital aspect of connecting with the recruits. And, and I have to imagine that's going to pay off uh, soon if it isn't already. Yeah, and I, you know, I mentioned that uh, today over at uh, uh, Dogs HQ. Um, you know, I talked to three guys: um, Rico Walker, Hunter Osborne, T.J. Searcy, all four stars for this class. Guys that you know, Georgia has been, I would say, kind of dancing around, but not really made the push for. Uzo Deribe arrives, and all of a sudden, you know, the, the connection has been picked up with all three of these guys. You know, both Hunter Osborne and Rico Walker had previous offers, but it wasn't like they had strong relationships with Georgia. Both of them said, you know, uh, Coach Yu had reached out to them and said, look, you know, I want to reestablish this. I want to get this back in the mix. And both of those guys said, as a result, you know, Georgia's back in the mix for me. I want to come see what they've got to offer. You know, these young guys, it really, really plays well with them. I mean, uh, you know, they love the young guys. They love, you know, they're listening to the same music. They're involved in the same social media circles. I mean, they're finding themselves able to communicate with these guys in a way that you can't with a guy who is, you know, 50 years old or even, you know, in my case, 34. So, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> you know, I think that there's something to be said for that. And I think there's also something to be said. If you look at this, if you look at this hiring cycle for Georgia, they've had to replace four guys, right? So on the offensive side of the ball, what do they do? They go with two old you know, familiar hats in Brian McLennan and Stacey Searles, guys who've been around the block, they've been at a number of jobs, well-established guys who know their stuff. You look at the other side, they hire two young guys, and that's Uzo Dariba and, and Fran Brown. And so that kind of tells you, you know, that mentorship angle, I think, from the defensive side, Kirby and Muschamp over there are able to handle that. And then these offensive guys, 
you know, it points to me a little bit to the idea of Kirby saying, hey, look, you know, you guys are established and we trust what you're able to do. Now go do it. Well, and, and that's not just this hiring cycle either. I think if you look over the course of his entire time at Georgia, that's been the case. I mean, Jamal Adai came into Georgia and wasn't some you know proven wily veteran. Uh, Trey Scott and Dan Lanning and Glenn Schumann were the, certainly that case uh, as he was forming those first couple of staffs. Versus you look on the defense on the offensive side of the ball. Todd Munkin had had been in the NFL, had been around college football, had previously been a college football head coach. Matt Luke previously a head coach. Um, you know, Del McGee had plenty of experience. Um, you know, very rarely have you seen Kirby go with somebody that isn't as experienced on that offensive side of the ball for, as opposed to on the defensive side of the ball. He's taken a couple of risks that he thinks he can afford, and, and, and I believe with him, I believe in him there. I, I, I agree with him that he can afford to take some of those risks, coach up some of these guys to be, you know, to be what they can be down the road. Um, you know, one of the things that I think is most interesting about Coach Yu here is that he's worked with the defensive line recent in in the past was previously the defensive line coach at SMU made the move over to TCU when Sonny Dykes made that move uh so first of all that says a lot about you know what what his previous coach thought of him that he was going to bring him with him to this next stop uh you know make that jump from group of five to power five um but I also think that it's it's you know impressive that he was a standout player at Colorado uh you know finished his career tied for sixth in sacks in program history tied for 17th in tackles for loss second in school history for forced fumbles um he was on the final watch list for the Ted Hendricks award which is given to annually to the top defensive end um, so I think that this is, you know, there's a lot of crossover between what Georgia does with their outside linebackers and their defensive ends. I think, you know, Jake, you've, we've talked about it before in recruiting, but you call it the slash, uh, you know, guys like Robert Beal, um, you know, Nolan Smith Trayvon has done Walker. it before. Yes. Trayvon Walker did it some. Uh, and, and I think that, you know, you look at some of these guys that Georgia is bringing in in this 2022 signing class, but as well as some of the guys that they have on the roster, they're not necessarily, you know, coverage outside linebackers. If, if Georgia needs a guy in coverage at, an, at a linebacker spot, they're more likely to put an inside guy out there uh, than they are put an outside guy out in coverage. Look at Channing Tindall and Quay Walker this past year. Um to me, the defensive end is position, excuse me, the outside linebacker position is almost an extension of that defensive end group uh, where G- Georgia understands, hey, they're going to have to play with their hand in the dirt. They're going to have to get after the passer. And it's okay to have a former defensive end being their coach. Yep. I, I agree completely. I, I think that it makes a lot of sense. And, uh, you know, it's a situation, too, where, you know, when Kirby has made these some of these untested young hires, look at, look at a guy like uh, Todd Hartley. Um, you know, I mean, Todd had a couple uh, pretty good jobs, worked at Miami uh, before arriving at Georgia, but, you know, comes in and proves himself to be an ace recruiter. On the flip side, you look at a guy like uh, Trey Scott, maybe not a guy that blew people away with his first couple recruiting classes, but boy, did he develop talent. And now is that being able to pay off for Georgia? So, you know, from both angles, I kind of see it. I think that, you know, I I get some of the skepticism in it. And look, nobody wants to have to replace four coaches after the end of the year, although that's the necessity and probably the world you're going to live in when you're winning it the way that Georgia is. I mean, Alabama's having to reload in similar ways very frequently as well. So, 
you know, it's it's a necessity thing, but you know, you've got to give some respect, I think, uh, and probably a great deal of it to uh, Kirby and and what he's done throughout his hiring processes. Uh, Jake, I like that you bring up Coach Hartley because while everyone's wringing their hands and worrying about Searles, Hartley's another guy that Kirby hired after previously working for Mark Rick. So sure. there's a case to be made for that. All right, uh, before we move on, uh, any any final thoughts on Georgia's next coaches before we wrap up and move on to uh, the Under Armour next camp that Jake was at over the weekend? Yeah, I'll give one. No, go, go ahead, Palmer. Go ahead, go ahead, Jake. <laughs> Somebody on our board asked the question, and I, I'm interested in the reaction from both of you guys. I'll go ahead and give you mine. Somebody said, do you feel like Georgia's coaching staff is better on February 28th, 2022 than it was February 28th, 2021? And I think that my answer to that would be it's a push. Uh, I think that it's probably – no better or no worse. Um, you know, I think that you could probably consider some of these hires upgrades. Um, you know, I, to me, I think, I think Fran Brown may be a step in the right direction in, in the defensive back spot. Uh, you know, I don't, and that's no, no knock on Jamal Adai, but just one weekend, like I said, what you're seeing from, uh, from Fran and the ability to work with Will Muschamp, I think is going to be very beneficial all around. You know, Searles, do I consider that a downgrade from Matt Luke? Yeah, I mean, you know, from a pure resume standpoint, sure. Kids know who Matt Luke is. Not as many kids in the SEC are going to know Stacey Searles. He's been in the, the Big 12 and the ACC for most of the last few years. So it, it's a give and take. I think that I, I land neutral on it. Um, and, you know, it, it's going to be interesting to see if these guys can flourish in the way that Dan Lanning did or that, uh, you know, Jim Aladai did once he arrived at Georgia, um, you know, Matt Luke was able to, you know, keep things consistent from where Sam Pittman was. Although if you look back on this last signing class, I think it's fair to say that may even have been a downgrade. So, you know, I think that there's a little bit of give and take to all this. I'm not necessarily saying that they are or aren't better. Personally, I call it a push right now. A lot to be determined this season, however. Yeah, I'll, I'll, be the contrarian here. I, I don't think that Georgia's coaching staff is better right now than it was this time last year, but you've also got to remember Georgia was replacing one assistant coach from last year's, you know, heading into this, to that season. Um, and, and that was Jamal Adai. They were repl replacing Charlton Moore and, and replaced him with Jamal Adai. When you're replacing four assistant coaches, there's a lot more uncertainty. I think that they have the potential to go out and prove to be better, uh, you know, or, or like you said, a push. Um, but I think at this point, maybe, maybe not necessarily better, but I think or better or worse. But I think that the confidence that fans have in this coaching staff uh, and the confidence that I would have in this coaching staff is probably a little bit lower now than it was this time last year, just because of how much they are replacing, how much uncertainty that can cause uh, and, and, and what they're replacing too. I mean, they're replacing Matt Luke, who was a former SEC uh, head coach and a very successful offensive line coach. They're replacing one of the best defensive coordinators over the last three years, who is now on to be a head coach and doing very well at Oregon already. Uh, they're replacing a DB's coach who came in, had an instant impact, and and helped the secondary to one of its better seasons in a, in quite some time. Uh, you know, I I think that 
those are all really hard positions to replace. Um, I, I think that Cortez Hankton did a good job. I think that Brian McClendon, the, the replacement there is probably, uh, that's probably an upgrade. But I think that in the other cases, it's really, 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 really hard to replace the kind of talent that they are losing uh, in, in Matt Luke, in Dan Lanning, and in Jamal Adai. Yeah, I'm going to say push as well. Uh, I think BMAC and Fran Brown outweigh any uh, steps back that Georgia might have. Um, I am buying into the Fran Brown stock, and I think that it'll work out. But, uh, yeah, Searles, TBD, see how he works for Georgia's offense. The reunion with Mike Bobo is a good thing, but Bobo, it's not like Bobo is, you know, on the quote-unquote staff. He's offering his input, his insights into Georgia's offense. How much does that impact or influence what Searles does uh, coaching O-Lyman? I don't know, but I'm going to say push. I think it's the biggest challenge for Kirby Smart to date in his career. He's won the national championship. Can he replicate and do what Nick Saban does with the turnover that he's had? You know, Kirby spoke to Reese Davis about how tough the transfer portal and NIL is making it for older, you know, more veteran coaches to stick around and keep up with the pace and the demands of everything. I mean, I, I don't know that Kirby's using that as a scapegoat. I'm not saying that. I, I certainly acknowledge that it's tough, but it's tough to work for Kirby as it is. And once Georgia won a national championship, it was going to be hard to keep guys around anyway because Kirby was going to let you know this is what is expected of us now, and it's going to take a lot. It's going to take a lot more for guys to stick around, buy into that, and stay on his staff, just like we've seen with Saban. These two guys are built, made to coach college football and be really good at it too, and that takes a lot of time. It takes a lot of energy, and if you don't have that, that's not a bad thing. <laughs> it just It's going to show when you work for a guy like Kirby. Uh, all right. We will take one 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 closing yeah. thought here on on the coaching hires, if if I may. Um, I to me the biggest thing about this is the the timing of it is is good for Georgia because they've got an opportunity that they, they've got they're riding the momentum from that national championship, like you mentioned, Wes. But they've also got the opportunity to build on that momentum with experienced group guys in the, each of those position groups. They you know each of these coaches that's coming in is gonna have guys that are very comfortable in that room, whether that's Lad McConkey or Ad Mitchell in in the wide receiver room, Kiaris Jackson too. Uh, you know, there's a lot of returning talent in that room. You look over on the offensive line, you've got Warren McClendon and Cedric Van Pran uh, that, that played very crucial roles. Warren Erickson was a starter this past year. And, and again, you've got talented players there. Defensively, you've got talented players at outside linebacker, veteran guys, the maybe the biggest leader on this team in Nolan Smith, uh, but as, as well as the sack leader in Robert Beal. And then in the secondary, you've got guys there that have the experience, that have that veteran leadership, whether it's Chris Smith uh, or, or Keely Ringo. Um, guys that are going to be in that secondary playing a big role, they can help in this transition too. It's not just on Kirby. It's not just on those coaches. It's about these players helping them in this transition. And I think that Georgia is in a really good position uh, with the guys that are returning to do something special and, and, and ease that, make that tr transition a little bit easier for these coaches. All right, coming up, uh, we'll hear more from Jake Roos about the Under Armour next camp in Atlanta. Just a premier list of guys assembled in one place. 
Uh, Jake's the expert. I took his word for it, and it seemed like there were a lot of good dudes. We'll hear more from Jake uh, coming up after this. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. All right, Jake, uh, spent a rainy Sunday afternoon at Denmark High School. I uh, plugged Denmark into my Google Maps and was concerned about the distance of travel to cover this camp and then I realized it was actually a high school in Alpharetta and not a country and the talent that we saw at the Under Armour Next Camp was unbelievable I have to imagine you brought back a ton of quotes ton of stories to read at dogshq.com give me you know your top three four takeaways from what you saw on Sunday well, you know, I want to start off with the, uh, the Matt Luke thing because I, I know that's kind of a hot topic, you know, the Stacey Searles news. What was interesting in talking to a lot of the guys out there, I uh, had a chance to talk to two Georgia commits and Bo Hewley and then uh, Ryquez McElderry as well. Um, it, you know, the, the sentiment from the offensive line guys that I spoke to was that this wasn't necessarily a crushing blow to Georgia or their chances with recruits moving forward. Guys seem, you know, at least open to the idea that, you know, one man does not make the Georgia program. And so the level of interest was not really impacted for a lot of those guys. Now, simultaneously with that, what was interesting to hear was that Eddie Gordon, uh, the Georgia offensive line assistant, had stepped up. Uh, simultaneously to that and um, had kind of filled the gap in in that time as well as Del McGee you know Kirby Smart out here reassuring guys but a lot of credit to Eddie Gordon you know I I think that he's one of those kind of behind the scenes guys that doesn't get a lot of love um, but probably deserves more than he gets um, for what he's able to do so you know kids responded well to Matt Luke I mean uh, you know Bo said you know that was a guy he was really close with and he was shocked to hear the news Rayquez sort of echoed those sentiments uh, Monroe Freeling was was really taken back by that as well Madden Sanker another big target for Georgia in 23 um, you know that was kind of the prevailing thought was that all those guys said uh, you know I, I was pretty shocked by this but it wasn't a situation where you walked away from it thinking that wow, this was, you know, Georgia's offensive line recruiting for 23 is just tanked uh, because they've had to make a coaching change at this point in the season. Um, and that, I feel like that's really encouraging. Uh, you know, that's what you want to hear. It's what you want the reaction to be. Um, and again, like I said, that's taking nothing away from Matt Luke, but guys responded well. Um, you know, so I, I think that that was encouraging. Now, speaking of Radquez McElderry, I'm going to tell you right now, I loved everything I saw from him. Uh, he is a man amongst boys while he's out there. Not the tallest dude you're ever going to see, but it is easy to see why he got that nickname Rock. And, uh, you know, you're talking about 6'4". Looks to me like he's about 330. I don't know if that's accurate or not. I'm just kind of going off the guess right there. 
dude was a freak out there. I mean, in one-on-one, it's just an absolute stonewall. And I'll tell you, the, my favorite story of the day for Rykwes McElderry was he came up and shook my hand when I, he first arrived and, I mean, just engulfed my hand. I mean, made me feel like uh, a boy, a mere boy. <laughs> and uh, I, I saw I was, Jake shaking, I, I was just shaking his arm out when I got up there on Sunday afternoon. It, it, oh, my God. I mean, I, I, he has a lobster claw at the end of his, as of his wrist. I mean, it's huge and just freakish, man. So, but I, I'll tell people this, and I firmly do believe this. Georgia has their work cut out for them with this one. Now, he he is maintained that he was solid with Georgia. Everything okay, you know, all is all is well. But he's going to Alabama this upcoming week, and I, anybody who follows recruiting in the least knows that Alabama is going to always be a threat for those in-state guys. They want Meckleberry bad, and I get it. I get why he is a he's got star potential written all over him. I mean, looks like a ready-made guard for the next level. Um, so Georgia's going to have to fight pretty hard for that one. Uh, be watching that battle closely. You gotta hope that he connects with Stacy Searles right away. Um, that Eddie Gordon's able to continue his influence. You know, he says, "I get the home feeling with Georgia." Still, he, you know, he's and he's in Anniston, so he, he's not exactly over in Tide Country. Um, but you know, the state lines of Alabama are Tide Country, so I mean, it's a situation where they're going to have a fight on their hands. And then, I guess moving on from there, the uh, the last thing I wanted to say was that. Uh, you know, a consistent thing that I heard from kids was Georgia is Georgia. I said, you know, what's the interest? Why Georgia? What makes Georgia unique? And they said, Georgia is Georgia, man. And what was interesting to me about that was we used to hear that about Alabama. It was, why are you interested in Alabama? Alabama is Alabama. It speaks for itself. Nothing else I mean, needs to be said, right? Exactly. Yeah. The program speaks for itself. Kids sort of having that same mindset when it comes to Georgia now as well. That's huge news, man. Uh, you can't really replace that. I think guys always loved Georgia. You know, in the time that I've been covering this, you know, Georgia's always done really well on the recruiting trail. Top players always considering Georgia, always stopping by for official visits. You know, Kirby Smart signing number one classes, absolutely. But to hear that kind of consistent theme throughout guys, uh, that's got to feel really good for Kirby Smart because now the program speaks for itself. The win is there. The, the national championship is in place. They look like a self-replicating monster in many regards. I think that they've got to feel really good about that. So that was, for me, that was one of the biggest things that I took away from Under Armour Atlanta outside of just the mass amount of talent that was there. And, you know, I, I would dive in on some more specific names, but you got to get over to Dogs HQ to read that. Love that. Love that. Good tease from the rooster. Uh, <clears throat> and I can't wait to read more of it. Um, I spoke with Veron Haynes' son, uh, Justice, and, you know, I think there's a line in the sand between guys that refer to him as Veron Haynes' son and people that just refer to him as, as Justice. But I feel like wherever he goes in college, he's going to be known as Justice pretty soon. And he told me about Del McGee's recruiting, his style, um, just how important it is to him. I mean, obviously, the, the list of schools after him is, is long, and it's not just Del McGee, but this is dog walk talk, so I'm not going to waste my time talking about all the other ones. You want to know what he thinks about Georgia. And he really just continues to share this excitement with how McGee personalizes his recruitment. 
And I know that's the job of every good recruiter to do that. But that seems to be a theme with McGee, with whoever he's talking to. Whether you come to Georgia or not, he takes an interest in who you are, what you like to do, what you're all about. And that's what he's going to talk to you about. He sends uh, Justice a Bible verse every morning. He sends him feedback on his film. He watches it, tells him where he needs to be better, tells him where he's doing a great job. I mean, if if you're a running back, and, and Jake went to uh, Andrew Paul's signing announcement in Texas, and that quote blew up on our Instagram. If you're a running back and you don't want to go to Georgia, I don't know what's wrong with you. If you're in that tier, if you're one of those players and Georgia wants you, it has to feel great to get a text message from Dale McGee. I'm just imagining whether or not you're going to Georgia or not. That has to feel pretty special. And obviously, it's leaving its mark on Justice Haynes right now. Yeah, I mean, it's huge. Dell, there's, for my money, there's not a better recruiter on this staff. Uh, Dell is the best recruiter Georgia has under its, uh, uh, under its roof. And I don't know that it's even close. I mean, because, and you hit the nail on the head, Wes, it's about the personalization. The kids that I talk to, I mean, it's the same message. You know, uh, Cam Davis, 2024 running back uh, out of Doherty County, uh, Florida State commit, Georgia going after him very, very hard already. Uh, tremendous player in his own right. You know, said the same thing. Hey, Dell's always hitting me up. And what we're talking about is just life, man. It's not about football anymore. It's about, you know, uh, how we can connect on these different things. He mentioned that, that uh, you know, I think he'd – he and Dell had connected on uh, some girl problems, you know. So he's over here sending one. He's over here sending one guy, uh, you know, some Bible verses, and he's over here talking to the other guy about, you know, uh, his 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 women problems in high school. I mean, it's, it's, maybe, maybe I need to yeah, hit Palmer. up Del McGee. Shoot Dell a text. <laughs> I mean, Bo Hughley, uh, offensive line commit, right? Uh, not even Dell's position. Said first guy to reach out to me after the Matt Luton news broke. Wow. Del McGee, he's in there. He said he's a huge part of this for me. He's a huge part of why I'm committed to Georgia. He makes Georgia feel like home. It's not just about running backs. You know, he is a guy who, when he connects with people, he's just got that aura about him. And it's it really is something to watch. You know, listen, I, I think everybody probably thinks Justice Haynes is going to come to Georgia because he's Veron Haynes' son because he plays in Roswell. I mean, there's a million reasons that make sense for Justice Haynes to end up in red and black. But I don't know that it's as sure of a thing or if I feel like it's as sure of a thing if Del McGee is mm. not on the staff and lead the way there. Good stuff. Uh, we will wrap up right after this. Take a quick look at the NFL Draft Combine. A lot of dogs up there more than any other school in the country. We'll talk about that after this. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, guys, the NFL Draft Combine coming up this week in Indianapolis, a reunion tour for 14 dogs that just won the national championship in Indy. 
Now they're back at Lucas Oil Stadium to try and make some money, climb up the NFL draft boards. A lot of guys projected to go in the first round, some in the second, some guys a little bit later. Here's the full list. This is in alphabetical order. Jake Camarda, Lewis Seen, James Cook, Jordan Davis, N'Kobe Dean, Darian Kendrick, George Pickens, Jamari Salyer, Justin Schaefer, Channing Tindall, Quay Walker, Trayvon Walker, Zamir White, and Devontae Wyatt. Going to go around the table really quick. Which guy that is projected to go maybe a little low do you think gains the most ground because of his NFL combine, whether it's the workouts, the interviews, all the above? I'll get us started here. Um, I'm going to go with George Pickens uh, because I think that he has first-round potential, uh, but he wasn't capable of showing that in 2021. Uh, obviously, the ACL injury is the cause of that. And, and when he was back on the field for the final four, four games of the season, uh, he, he made some highlight plays that, that showed um, you know, in spurts that, that first-round potential. I think that if he can get out there and continue to show, he'll be just about a, a, a full year removed, a um, little under a full year removed from tearing his ACL. Um, I think if he can get out there and show, um, you know, run a good 40, do a good cone drill, uh, you know, show show what he's capable of in, in some of these on-field drills as well. Um, look, we've all seen George Pickens, uh, you know, in, in his highlight tape. Wes, you wrote a great piece about if if you know this doesn't light your fire, then your wood's wet. Well, I I think that I think that and I responded to that saying it's a damn shame we didn't we never saw George Pickens at his full potential at Georgia for a full season because I think we saw it in spurts whether that it was that Baylor game uh, as a freshman in the Sugar Bowl, uh, you know some some big performances as a sophomore. Missouri comes to mind. The Peach Bowl comes to mind, and, and then you know the highlights here and there, the the big catches against Alabama, um, you know both in the SEC championship game and the national championship. I think that George Pickens has a real good chance to go to the combine, prove that he's healthy, remind folks what he's capable of, and and really shoot up into maybe not the first round, but I think that if you're getting him in the early second round or you know late second round, if you're getting him in the second round, you're getting a first-round talent. And I think that that's a steal that some NFL team is going to take a chance on, and I think that they have a you know good chance to you know have their basis for doing so be this NFL combine. Okay, so now are we ready for the right answer? Because it's Channing Tindall, right? I mean, Channing is Channing. Listen, this is you know they love the, the people love to say that the these combines that we have these Under uh, Armour camps and et cetera are the underwear Olympics. Listen, that's what the NFL Combine is. It's guys want to see freaky numbers, freaky measurables. Channing Tindall, I think, is going to blow people away with his performance at the Combine. I think that he's got the speed. I think he's going to measure in right, uh, right where he needs to be. I think that people will, uh, you know, find out that his size is accurate. He's going to be rangy and quick in those cone drills. I think he'll do well on the bench. To me, he is probably Georgia's most underrated athlete heading into this, and I think that that will show in the Combine now. The thing I am most excited about is Jake Camarda's bench reps, <laughs> but it's going to be it's going to be it's going to be Jake Camarda's hand uh, size. His, 
<laughs> no question. No question. Uh, for me, though, it's Channing Tindall who's going to see his stock rise the most. I think he's really, you know, uh, a guy who can play himself into that second round. Um, you know, I don't think he'll get to first round potential, but I, I think that second round definitely not out of the question and maybe even high if uh, he, he performs as well as I think he can. All right. So uh, certainly respect both of those answers. Obviously, I need to answer somebody different. And I've been saying all along that I feel like it's James Cook. And really what crystallized this thought for me was the amount of criticism he was getting for sitting out of the Senior Bowl. And I wrote about the fact that for James Cook, coming back to play at Georgia for a fourth year was his Senior Bowl. Think about uh, Robert Edwards tearing his ACL at the Pro Bowl when he was a rookie. You know, if you're a running back, you already get so much contact game in and game out, why are you going to put yourself into a circumstance where you could potentially hurt yourself and, and take more unnecessary contact than you already do? And I feel like James Cook and Zamir White, uh, obviously Zamir gets a pass in sitting out the Senior Bowl because he has the injury list already, but James Cook does everything you want. I feel like Todd Munkin used him perfectly when he came to Georgia in 2020 and really dialed it up in 2021 and if you're not paying attention to that you can't you, know, you didn't watch the Tennessee game you didn't see you know running up the middle running the wheel route you know catching the ball uh, the national championship pass blocking on that touchdown to A.D. Mitchell you know if you haven't seen all of that then you're really not doing your homework on James Cook and I feel like those measurables that you mentioned Jake will carry him in the eyes of people that may have doubted him a little bit. They'll finally get a chance to take a look at him up close, see how athletic he is, and hopefully pair that with the production he had on the field. Now, I'll now here's you, a good... No, I'll here. tell you this. George is about to get a lot of play out of their social media team when it comes to this combine because I think we just mentioned three guys who could see their stock rise right we're already potentially seeing you know as many as four guys projected in the first yeah. round right now so if if guys are able to raise their stock that high some of the numbers you're going to see that they put up some of these I mean it's going to be a field day for those guys I think you're going to see a lot a lot of play of that and I think kids are going to respond really well to it too now here's a quick combine related question for y'all. Who do y'all think needs to have needs to have the best combine performance? Uh, you know, that needs it to not necessarily shoot up the, you know, shoot up the boards, but, but has a chance, um, you know, to have a chance to get drafted or something like that. Hmm. That's tough. I, could, um, I would probably say Zamir white and it's probably, you know, sorry to stick with the running back. Uh, on original thought there, but just because of the injuries, um, because of the way he was used at Georgia, not a ton of, you know, catches uh, as a part of his game because that was kind of James Cook's role in the offense. I think that he needs to go out there and catch the ball really well. Uh, obviously, he's still fast. He's still powerful. But, um, you know, how often is he going to have an opportunity to show off his power that you saw in games as a part of these NFL combine workouts, probably not as much. So I think Zamir probably needs to show that he still has that shiftiness. He's still quick. And most importantly, that he can catch the football. 
I'd say uh, for me, Justin Schaefer probably makes a lot of sense there as a guy who's probably a later round pick and, and, you know, could probably do a little bit of stock boosting, you know, to make sure that he doesn't find himself as an undrafted guy. I mean, you know, the reality is he's old when it comes to this this thing. I mean, he's been around Georgia for a long, long time. And so, you know, he's been playing against younger guys. I mean, obviously he's a fully developed, to some degree, adult uh, out there playing against younger kids. And uh, I think that they'll want to see that he can do that uh, still against, you know, higher competition. Um, to me, I think that Schaefer's a guy who can really uh, help himself out a lot. Yeah, I, I like both those picks. I'll go with Quay Walker, though, because I think that of those Georgia linebackers that we've discussed, you know, you, Jake, you hit on everything about Channing as one of the most freakish athletically guys. Um, and, and Nicobe's production was there. Um, you know, Quay is kind of the in-between there where he's a good athlete but not a great athlete. He's a good player. He's got good production numbers but not great production numbers. You know, maybe elite numbers that, that win him a butt-kiss award. I think that he has a chance to go out there. If he can really, you know, impress some folks with his with his athleticism and his combine, uh, you know, times and, and performances, uh, I, I think that he has a chance um, because, you know, th- there's nothing more that he can do to pr- – up his production, uh, you know, played very well at the end of the season. I will give him that. Uh, you know, that that Michigan game mm-hmm. certainly comes to mind for me. Um, you know, he was a he was a force to be reckoned with there. Um, but I, I think that he could very much use a a, a good combine performance uh, to solidify where his his draft stock is because um, you don't want to see that fall. Other one that I would think about is Darian Kendrick, um, just because I think that. He's, you know, again, similar to um, Walker in, in that, right? He, he's not the best of athletes. He's, he's a good athlete, not a great one. Uh, you know, didn't have the best of production at Georgia. Um, you know, obviously there's, there's some off-field off questions as well um, that I, I think that he'll have to answer to at some point. Um, and, and so I think that those are the two that I look at, um, but more so Quay Walker than Kendrick. Good stuff, guys. Uh, can't wait to see all the dogs work out, uh, hear what they have to say at the Combine. Dogs HQ will certainly have you covered there uh, in the message boards and then also with our written pieces and social media as well. So if you haven't already subscribed to Dogs HQ, got a seven-day free trial for you. You literally only have to pay by putting your name and email in and giving us a shot. Uh, if you have already signed up for Dogs HQ, we appreciate it greatly and uh, encourage you to chat with us on the message boards. We have uh, plenty of time to talk to you over there, give you our thoughts throughout the week on the boards over there, and uh, also just tell your friends about us. You know, if you're listening to this show, tell everyone what you like about Dogs HQ. Review it, rate it. And give us a follow on Twitter, Dogs HQ and Dogs HQ on Instagram. Fellas, uh, hope you have a great rest of the week. We'll do it again soon. Always good to talk to you. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. 
No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.